So it's we're recording this on November 4th, the day after uh, the election, which I'm told is a momentous occasion for democracy. <laughs> and of course, we, uh, we, we did don't it. actually know what's happening next. Um, but uh, it looks like uh, Joe Biden will uh, have the votes to be the next president of the United States, which is a very important position and which you should respect and revere. Yeah. Um, but respect, here today we're, respect we're talking the not office. so much. Exactly. If nothing else, the office and the, the seal yeah. is pretty cool. It has the eagle and stuff. But uh, no. Uh, so just to be clear, I'm, I'm Adam and uh, I'm Casey. There you go. And we're joined today by a special guest. Uh, this episode being joined by Abner Hoagie, uh, editor-in-chief of Left Coast Right Watch. They're also a member of LA's Black Cody. Um, oh, I'm not a member. Also- I just train with them. Oh. oh, okay. They also train with uh, LA's Black Coyote Collective and the Truckee Meadows John Brown Gun Club. Uh, Abner, uh, welcome to Future Left Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, we, we wanted to talk to you because... Uh, uh, I don't know if if you feel this way, but it seems like um, uh, violence and, and horrible things are looming over um, uh, uh, society. Um, and and I know you have some some work on uh, subject matters related to this. You um, well, I guess you could tell us a little bit about Left Coast Right Watch, but uh, you've been documenting and, and observing uh, right wing extremists for some time. So can you tell us a little bit about this project? Yeah, well, uh, I went to UC Berkeley and um, about. I don't know, my second semester there, I was in the grad program for journalism. Second semester there, there's this guy named Milo Yiannopoulos who came to fucking campus. And I've heard of him. Heard of him. Yeah, you might have heard of him. Yeah. If you haven't, he's this like, you know, he's this shock, shock jock kind of asshole, like fucking. Mm-hmm. He's like a troll, but like in real life. Yeah, he's a, well, he's a, yeah, his whole, his whole thing is to like pretend to be funny, like the way that quote-unquote comedians like Sam Hyde do and like quote-unquote trigger the libs which is kind of a dated phrase now like I'm talking about back and back all the way in 17 shit right good lord the halcyon days yeah halcyon days when like the alt-right was a new thing and there were and CNN was platforming neo-nazis just left and right I mean they still kind of do but you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah no but this this fucker came to campus and um i had this very fucking traumatic experience when i when i first moved up to the bay area for college like in 2012 where like a friend of mine came out as trans and like she had just started living as a woman and she had was staying at my place and was like because you know that's where she could fucking you know put on her put on her clothes and like makeup and stuff and you know like just live life normally for her and one day one night she was on the train um the like a daily city train going to have a date or something and i wasn't with her obviously but she um was on this train and a bunch of neo-nazi like just these fucking hammer skin like skinhead types like started catcalling her and then, you know, when they heard her voice, like, she didn't have her, you know, she'd kind of just come out. Like, so she, you know, like, trans people a lot of the time, like, you kind of have to practice making your voice, like, align more with your, your gender. Um, she, like, they started hurling nasty shit at her and then started chasing her with a fucking knife on this train. And she got away, but I always felt really fucking horrible about it. 
and then come Berk like come what happened in Berkeley, I'd never heard the term Antifa before like the night of February first, um, two thousand seventeen, when Milo came. And what happened in that night was like, um, oh, there's this guy coming. He goes in a room with a bunch of little like college Republican Nazi shitheads. And he says, oh, this is a trans person on your campus. You should hate them. And I was like, oh, well, I'm a journalist. I have a very special like I have powers in society. Other people don't. I'm going to use them to fuck over these people and the people who brought them here because like, I'm just going to like make them say, Oh, well, why did you bring them here? And like get them to be honest about their thing. And I'm promoting a documentary that I made as my thesis project that like hasn't come out yet because just reasons because documentaries are hard to get out. But like basically I embedded with the Berkeley college Republicans for a year and knowing how bad they are but like just you know playing the dumb lib lib journalist and just saying oh hey um you know well so what is your whole philosophy about like tell me about this like tell me about this strain of conservatism that blah 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 until they finally felt comfortable enough to tell me yeah we have some members who are neo-nazis like just straight up hitler did nothing wrong like nuke tel aviv did they do it in, in like the, they're neo-Nazis and, you know, what are you going to do? You know, they're nutty. Well, no, they're like, yeah, we have some members like this and, um, yeah, that's it. Like, they just admitted that and then what happened was, like, at the end of it, like, there's this whole, they, they admitted to me that there was this whole controversy where there was a group Facebook chat that got deleted because somebody just started posting Nuke Israel memes in it. But these kids were like handing out T-shirts when Milo was supposed to come back in September that year that like said nuke Mecca on it. So it's like, OK, well, it's not. I just love nuking things. Yeah, a lot of learning. nuking things. I mean, it's Berkeley and they, you know, there's like like Lawrence, whatever it's called, labs where they made the atomic weapons and shit. And like there's a bunch of people going into like atomic science at Berkeley. So, you know. That shouldn't surprise you. I hope. Do you, do you think there's like ultra right wing people going in and do a, a nuclear sci atomic science for that purpose? Well, I don't know. I wonder if they would do that. Not to get off on a tangent, but there's this professor at Berkeley. I forget how to pronounce her name. Like she's Serbian. Daily Beast did this whole article about it. If you've got show notes, I'll send you the article. Um, but like, there's a professor there who's like just a straight up was part of like an explicitly anti-semitic party in serbia so like or um i i might be i might be getting one of the former U yugoslav states wrong because it's uh, my brain's kind of scattered today i apologize but yeah no there's a professor there that just like teaches students who's like a fuck it like when you examine like what she was involved with like she's a fucking neo-nazi it's crazy. Jesus. Well, there's a, there's a kind of symmetry to it because some of America's earliest nuclear scientists were Nazis. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah. It, it's weird that, um, there, that there would be such – like I know it, when people in the rest of the country, especially conservatives, think about California, think about Berkeley especially, they think about like the left. And so it's, it's weird that it, it, there's like this 
hotbed, I guess it's because it's it's ubiquitous, like it's probably everywhere, is where that there's this hotbed of like ultra far right uh thinking and organizing there. I mean it's it's a hotbed and it always kind of has been. And it's because Berkeley's a hotbed for every kind of fucking organizing there is. Gotcha. But mostly because there's a very big, very well-funded, like, as good as an Ivy League university university there. And, like, you attract the intellectual elites of every kind of fringe movement there is. So, you know, like, there's a great conference there that, like, I met some people at, like, before COVID, like, um, that was by the Center for Right Wing Studies, and like, there's great people like Spencer Sunshine there. I met him, and like, you know, you yeah, you get you. Everybody just comes through Berkeley, but you know, I mean, so you should, just shouldn't be surprised. I, I guess to shortly answer your question, like, you know, this I spent my whole time at Berkeley doing this thing, and then I fucking. Um, I was in a major depression afterwards because I couldn't get my documentary published. I couldn't find a job. And then I just thought, well, fuck it. I want to keep being a journalist. This beat is important. I'm just going to start my own blog and write on it until I get a different job. And then I thought, and then I said, well, a bunch of other journalists are doing Patreons. I'll do that. And then I just eventually stopped giving a shit about trying to find another job. I worked for Lyft for a while, which sucked. And I could barely get an article a month out, but hey, you know, I've 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 done that as well. Like full like full disclosure, I've done that as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it fucking sucks. But like now, like right after George Floyd, like when everything popped off, like I got enough. I started getting enough money to like support myself, which was crazy. Like people just. I'm I'm like one of those content creators or something like, you know, thirst trap is gender neutral. I'm like a I'm like a thirst trap for anti-fascism, <laughs> except like we try to do good articles, right? But yeah, I mean that's kind of the long and short of it. Sure. So like I guess like getting into like uh, well I, I don't know maybe we should start with the election since that's like the big thing. But like um, so I mean I, obviously while we're recording this we don't actually know who won. We have probably a pretty good idea of who won, assuming that the votes that were cast will be counted, which is another question entirely. Someone else's problem, I guess. But um, so you've been watching the right, and I know that you know to a certain extent, like the you know the the what the president says, people kind of follow. There's like a cult around him, but. Um, you know, how do you think that, you know, the right is taking, was approaching the election before and how have in the past, you know, 24 hours, I suppose, how, what have you been noticing how, how various groups are reacting to the election? I mean, so a good indicator of this was like, um, Actually, if you want a really good indicator of it, get, like, a sock account or something and go follow Nick Fuentes or, like, just view some, like, clips of, like, the most recent fucking Nick Fuentes, like, his stupid-ass show. Like, Nick Fuentes is one of these night these white nationalists. He's, like, he's, like, Zoomer, he's, like, Zoomer Richard Spencer. Um, So he's, like, I mean, they're, they're... They're just freaking out, right? Like, they're just, like, Fuentes was just screaming about, like, oh, my God, well, 
Trump has to do something now. Trump has to do something now. Like the fix is in. Like Trump has to seize power. Blah 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 blah. So I, I've never heard of this person before, but I looked him up, and he looks to be roughly fifteen years old. No, he's a piece of shit. Like if you want me to give the long and short of who Nick Fuentes is, like he kind of he marched at Unite the Right in Charlottesville. He's like um, he, he kind of like gained a bunch of momentum by like kind of waging a culture this stupid culture war battle against charlie kirk and turning point usa where he said like where he would send his like army of like shitty high schoolers and like college republican kids god this kid's 22 jesus yeah like he would try to troll all of these establishment conservative like people like charlie kirk into like answering oh well what do you think about the U.S. the USS um, Liberty, which was a ship a ship that like Israel, I don't I don't know. It was like during the Six Days War, and it was a U.S. like surveillance ship or something. And I think Israel sank it, and so white nationalists always use it as a talking point because they hate Jews, right? And like just as asking troll questions and shit like that, totally anti-Semitic. This like Nick Fuentes is like rabidly anti-black as well like he was he he was just freaking out about oh if joe biden wins then like all of the black people are gonna come to my house and murder me that kind of thing right god if only yeah joe biden isn't that cool unfortunately yeah no he isn't that cool but like yeah no i mean he's a he's a holo like fuentes is a holocaust denier he's you know openly worships Mussolini on the show and like he had this whole tweet that blew up that was when Trump said something or another that was like oh this is Trump's Mussolini moment and of course all the leftists that's a good thing responded with pictures of oh well I wonder what Trump's next Mussolini moment's going to be and like that that's weird to use Mussolini moment in a positive way I mi- I missed that uh his next Mussolini moment yeah, well, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember. What. Hopefully, it's just him hanging upside down. Is what I hope his next Mussolini moment is. But yeah, I don't remember exactly what he said. It was just like, oh, oh, Trump said something at the debate that was like so wonderful, and it, he was like Mussolini or something. Because you know, like these fascists all operate on this, like, oh, I can't worship Hitler, so we'll. So I'll be a proud boy and like say how cool Pinochet is and Pinochet did nothing wrong and joke about throwing caught like throwing socialists out of helicopters. So that I mean, you mentioned we mentioned like proud boys and, uh, you know, hammer skins. I mean, there's a weird taxonomy to right wing extremism um, like the um, the Boogaloo boys or Boogaloo gentlemen or whatever the fuck they want to be called. Um, there's, you know, not, there's just outright Nazis, cops. crowd boys. Yeah. There's cops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what, what's, what's going on? Like, is, is it worth trying to understand the differences between these, the subtle intricate differences between these people? I or? mean, there is because they're going to target different people in different ways. Mm. Like the proud boys are basically the, a kind of a paramilitary wing of like the trump movement at this point like they're kind of like a just a fat they're kind of just the fry corps like they'll show up to these events they'll intimidate reporters they'll intimidate like counter protesters they'll try to provoke people into fights 
and it or you know if they're in portland or something they'll just bring guns and like i mean i'm equating them with like i don't know if skylar jernigan the patriot prayer guy was like a, a member of the proud boys at any point but like you know these types would just fucking try to escalate violence and try to like just fucking show up to like get people hurt their target is just broadly quote-unquote the left i guess yeah i mean like they they have this whole like the entire right wing like media ecosystem has this thing of like equate democrats with the nazis but also with the communists but also with the left but also with the like everybody else like it's it's basically every american bad ideological buzzword that that's it's basically what it is and hey man the not hey the nazis were socialists so you know yeah <laughs> right yeah the nazis were real socialists um, it's in the name man well that's how you get these like bizarre claims that like um that like uh, antifa's running around graffitiing things on behalf of joe biden like there's like antifa people that are massing up for for the no malarkey caucus of uh whatever the fuck's going on i don't know yeah um so i i get i guess like you know you you're you're asking me like is it important to learn the differences yeah because they're gonna do different things to try to fuck with everybody Right. I mean, you know, the more extreme groups like, you know, like, say, your terrorgram people that like, I mean, Adam Waffen, the group itself is kind of it's kind of sort of over at this point. And they've like rebranded and splintered off into a bunch of different like neo-Nazi terror cells. But like, those are the kind of people who like, if they show up in your town, like if they, they do flyering in very specific small towns like there's one in concrete washington that was by them um and you'll have to deal with them and be really careful because those are like those are people who want to do like terrorism and they don't care that like like they're terrorists because they want to do like neo-nazi shit well that's that that's something that a lot of people don't understand or a lot of people underestimate or a lot of people think that you're being hyperbolic about when you talk about the right like i keep seeing people say like this is a popular you know take uh by people who i guess view themselves as centrists quote unquote who are like regardless of who wins uh we can look forward to weeks of unmitigated violence as if we have an equal problem with left and right violence in this country. Like there's, it's not even close, right? Well, no, I was just going to say like, it's funny. Cause when I talked to, I talked to like a, an old friend of ours, so I probably shouldn't talk to him anymore. Cause I think he is like full on like fashy now. We're from Texas. So we have a lot of friends that have drifted to the right in really toxic ways. We keep thinking that it's like not as bad as it is. Cause we've known him for so long. And then we talked no, to him and it's just like, Oh Jesus, it, but, it really is bad. But I, I talked to him recently and uh, like we were talking about political violence from like the left and the right. And it's weird because his main point about the left wing violence is like violence towards windows, essentially, you know, it's this, it's this notion that uh, at, at various, frankly, a, a protests that have to do with um, black lives matter or you know the george floyd uprising let me stop you right there about all of that shit like okay you can't think about like right-wing arguments anymore head on at face value you should never do that 
ever, 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 because they're they they don't do that, and their entire frame of reference isn't about that. You're absolutely right. Do you know Do you know what fourth generational warfare is? No, I don't. So fourth generational warfare is this um, insurgency strategy that was cooked up by um, this guy William S. Lind, who was a white supremacist and a Christian supremacist, but it was also like a Pentagon guy and advised a bunch of different presidential administrations. And like he advised the Trump campaign. So fourth generational warfare is this strategy dot like a, a bit about Lind is like, he wrote like, if you're familiar with the Turner diaries, the race war fantasy novel, he wrote his own version of that, which was like, Oh, America purges were like America that was called like anti, I, I forget what it was called, but it was like a novel of probably something really creative and not heavy handed at all. Yeah, it was very <laughs> heavy, but like, anyways, the, the plot of the novel, it's like a, a Christian fascist version of Turner diaries where, um, the plot is, oh yeah, they purge all the undesirables and the and the Jews and the um, black people get re-enslaved because they're better off that way. And then at the end of the novel, it was like, okay, now that America is a Christian nation again, finally, we're going to go fight a war overseas to purge Islam. So, you know, that's the trajectory of the violence. Like, so if you've got, so, you know, just to make a side note, like, if you've got people who are inspired by the Turner Diaries, they're going to target different things than people who are inspired by the kind of milieu that came out of fourth generational warfare. Like the Turner Diaries, people are going to like think that the like they're going to go attack federal government buildings like Timothy McVeigh did because, you know, that's the book that inspired McVeigh. Um, they're going to go fucking like attack like minorities and like jewish people and queer people and all of that like they're going to just straight up do that because that's like are they aware of the legacy or is or is this like or is it insidious and the thing about a lot of the like hardcore we're planning to do violence people is they do a lot of fucking reading of a lot of stupid fucking nazi books Jesus, like there's a bunch of these books out there and when you like recognize them and read them like you go oh this guy's referencing say like i don't know siege which was kind of like let's put the turner diary like which was uh, you know let's couch it a little bit more well no siege was this whole thing that was kind of codifying oh well we need to do um we need to do do like small-scale insurrectionary terrorism and like quote quote unquote lone wolf attacks and overwhelm the United States government with these and destroy infrastructure so that the U.S. can collapse and we can balkanize it into a series of, like, white ethnostates. Jesus, it's so self-aware. Yeah, 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 no. Like, that's what these, that's what all of these people's fucking goal is, is to balkanize the United States. But that's, like, kind of the Turner Diaries siege side of it. The William S. Lind side, which is what seeps directly into mainstream conservatism and is what I'm to get back to the whole thing about um, right wing argument strategy is that fourth generational warfare. William Lind thought up this strategy, which is 
you blur the lines between politics and warfare. You blur the lines between your political enemies that you're having arguments with and enemy combatants. So everything is framed in their minds as warfare. And this is the strategy that the religious right has adopted since the 80s. This is the strategy that the militia movements adopted since the 80s. This is the strategy that the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, which is the largest association of um, law enforcement in the U.S., has adopted. And it's all just fucking out there. Like, they all read this guy, William S. Lind. And his entire strategy is like, okay, you blur the lines between politics and warfare. You make um, these cultural things into battles, which is why they, which is why they say fucking culture war about all of this bullshit, like abortion and like, you know, um, like gay marriage and all of that. Like that's it was. It's literally a battle to them to destabilize like, you know, marginalized groups and overwhelm them so that they don't have a say in government so they can like institute a christian like white supremacist theocracy like that's just it well and the issue is if you make it war then it has the connotation of being life-threatening and you can make it more self-righteous right like you feel it's easy to justify it's easier to justify doing committing violence like i can imagine a lot of this seeping into mainstream conservatism without people even being aware of like where it comes from, just these sentiments of like, I'm willing to lay my life on the line because women want control of their own bodies. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, when you when you see like a book like, you know, I forget the name of the paper where he codified f fourth generational warfare, which experts like using the term 4GW. And actually a bunch of insurgents online talk about 4GW too, which is scary, because it ties into their meme game it ties into their again thing. yeah the, the self the, the self-awareness of like hey we're bad guys and they know it is is so fucked up like that's how do you how well, do you how do you fight with that type of self-awareness you can't you can't oh they don't think they're bad guys well i yeah, mean yeah, yeah. i mean i'm i'm being a little polemical right now but like it, you you can't elucidate to them like hey here's what you're doing and what you're saying they're like yeah i know they're very deliberate about it like that makes it very hard to well, some of them you can. I mean, it kind of like... If they're not as invested. Like, you know, more than telling people about any of this stuff, like, you know, here's all of their different philosophies and insurgency manuals. Like, I tell people the thing to remember about the core of West of quote unquote Western and like especially American right wing philosophy is the idea that inequality is inherently justified. Hierarchy is inherently justified. Well, I mean, they'll say that in they won't say the thing about inequality, but they'll say hierarchy is inherently justified and that and shouldn't be questioned and should be preserved and defended. And therefore, Real, real quick, I want to, I want to, I want to tease that out a little bit. What, what I find humorous here is that I know, like in left wing circles, people will be like, "Oh, comrade, do you even read theory?" And they mean like Capital Volume One and Two, and like what is to be done and stuff like that. And then, uh, like on the right, there's like a group of people like, "Do you even read theory?" And they mean like some masturbatory race war fantasy novel. Well, uh, no, they is... don't. They mean like, like they mean all of the boring shit, like. They do mean all of the boring shit like um, Edmund Burke and all of those people. Like, huh. 
or like I don't know Murray Rothbard or whoever the fuck they wanted like. <laughs> but is that but is that the well, but is that like, like the. Is that like the the intelligentsia, or is that like even down to the the boots on the street? Some some bow tie oh, God, wearing. No, no, no. I mean, like all of them have their own different books, uh, but I mean, like MLs have their own books, and anarchists have their own books sure. too. So you know. Well, I mean, all right. So I mean, you mentioned Murray Rothbard, which gets back to like you're talking about of uh, hierarchies being justified. That does get to like the central thing that I think a lot of people don't understand about fascism is its connection to capitalism. Uh, do you see that pretty explicitly in most of the ideology or the the groups that and extremists that you follow? So here's the thing: is like a lot of them. So like the Proud Boys give a fuck about capitalism like the i don't know maybe the more ancappy people like that anarcho-capitalist like the hyper libertarian people care about capitalism the ones that do end up kind of going fashy um a lot like the more main the people who are trying to like be entryists and like move the Republican Party more extreme or tilted more towards their kind of extremism, they give a shit about it. And I mean, the people in the Republican Party, too, let's not forget, they give a shit about capitalism. A lot of these people don't give a shit about capitalism. Like, and they'll try to say, and they'll try, like, try to obfuscate um, things by saying, yeah, well, you know, we'll have a, like, Matt Heimbach of the, of the old, now defunct, traditionalist workers party he's like what's called a third positionist which is like saying oh well i want a socialist state like but like a workers state but only for white people like you know though a lot of them will do that there's this whole thing that i don't know that much about yet i have to read up more on called knots bowls which are like people who try to synthesize like stalinism and hitlerism there's all of these kind like a lot of these people don't give a fuck about capitalism so you don't you know you're not talking about economic frameworks with them you're talking about like warfare and violence and like who deserves to be on the planet so yeah i mean um, it feels like i don't know that like the 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 elements of left wing ideology being adopted seem to be almost like the the sales pitch rather than i don't know because uh, I, I i obviously i've heard of matthew heimbach before and the traditionalist workers party i just never really gave that much credence you know as like any like even ostensibly left position that only values like the white working class as opposed to the working class okay so here's the thing that you want to um here's the thing that you'll want to um understand about it is that like fascism is syncretic it means it cobble like fascism doesn't have original ideas it's not a real ideology it is a tendency of belief that premises two things one there is an in-group two that that needs to be defended and protected that might be like a race that might be a nationality that might be just being a dude there is an out group they need to be otherized they need to be under your boot or exterminated that's it like 
it's a broad vague tendency that kind of has like a bunch of other things like authoritarianism attached to it um like i'd i'd recommend people read umberto echo's um or fascism like that's a really good essay that'll just that's what what academics use to like understand it like that's the that's the gold standard for measuring like okay is this fascism or not uh the other really good stuff is just the work of robert paxton who's like one of the preeminent scholars on like the rise and fall of fascist regimes and stuff like that um that that way of laying it out that you just mentioned of it being you know an in-group and an out-group who needs to be uh who needs to be dominated i feel like there needs to be an argument made there for that's a reason why people on the left like socialists uh uh communists need to be very aware of separating people and ideologies as the enemy um how would you how do you thread that needle of because obviously we want to delineate between you know there's an ideological in group and out group there that we i feel like we need to be careful or else it becomes your the definition you just gave of fascism. The thing you have to do is constant and rigorous, and I'd argue any leftist group should have to fucking incorporate anti-fascism into its platform and actively do it in all of their spaces. You shouldn't have, like, you just have to understand what every kind of bigotry you're going to be facing is, and like you know making sure you're when like if if there's a, a tendency that excludes some certain group of people that isn't fascist then you have to get the then you have to get that the fuck out of there like you just have to eject those members you have to abandon that kind of platform and rework it right. you have to you just have to actively be an anti-fascist so you can purge it when it comes up inside your own group yeah, no, because fascists will infiltrate everything because they are do not have original thoughts. Fascists never have original thoughts. I can, after studying them for three and a half years now, that's the conclusion I've come to. They are, they have what's called a syncretic way of, a, a, a syncretic means of, like, synthesizing information. So what they do is they, they like, um, what's that one kind of crab that just like cobbles a bunch of, oh no, or like octopi, you know how they like make their houses out of little bits and pieces out of everything around so, them. Sort of, sort of like, a, they're sort of chameleon, they're sort of ideological chameleons, I suppose. Yeah. And they'll try to infiltrate different groups and they'll try to push, like, they'll try to like exclude Jews and they'll try to exclude people of color queer people all of that stuff and they'll try it and the way they'll do it is they'll try to normalize punching down on them they'll try to do it through humor they'll try to do it through irony they'll try to do it through all of these different fucking things you cannot fucking allow it well i, I what we're getting into here is kind of like when we're talking about the ideology and tactics of fascism is kind of how like how do people actually become fast? That's what I was about right? to say because the things you're just mentioning, like you know, it you know, nor being normalized through humor, through this, through that. There's a lot of cultural and community mechanisms that uh, that 
make that type of thing possible. Like, especially, you know, I'm growing up in the South. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pockets. There's a lot of communities, a lot of subcultures where that type of stuff is the norm. And I feel like it's so hard to fight against because most people, when they think of a incorrect or an evil ideology, they don't think of it being compatible with the normal quote unquote life that they, that they live. So it's sort of, I think I negative ideologies that people hold go under the radar because they're like, no, like everything gels, you know, like I'm not a, you know, a hand wringing, like mustache twirling. And so like, I feel like that's what makes a lot of these ideologies, particularly insidious is that they can be backed up by regular, you know, cultural mechanisms and things like that for sure i i think there's all there's definitely an inertia to fascism in the united states that's undeniable but i know that like recently we've heard a lot about like the the way so the role that social media plays in uh extremist ideology and how like fake news and stuff like that is disseminated um uh, i i get that a lot when i talk to uh conservative friends and family and even more far-right friends and uh, former friends i should say that like you know that they're they're getting their information that that is often completely bogus from like the most bizarre sources. I mean, they're getting it from but, Fox News. They're getting it from like multicolored, uh, multi-font even, emails from their grandmother. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, they're getting it from there. The idea, the thing about how fascism spreads, is that we're social creatures. We, like, if you're somebody, like, okay, say you, you're, you you know, fresh out of high school and you want to be an activist or something, and like, oh, great, I have, like, a year older friend who's in the DSA. Like, I'm going to go do DSA shit. And then, like, by the time you're 30, you're like, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm a socialist now. Cool. Whatever. Like, that's the milieu that you, that's the group of people and that's the worldview you absorb because that's the kind of activism that you came from and maybe but maybe another kid is like oh i'm 17 i'm gonna go volunteer with food not bombs and then like 10 years down the road that kid's an anarchist like you know people kind of fall into these things because like they have like we all have like individual needs we had and different ideologies can or can't satisfy them and i'm not going to say like i'm not gonna you know left unity whatever i'm not gonna knock anybody's tendency on this podcast but like you know people tend to drip to go towards certain specific tendencies because they fulfill certain needs in them and that's the same thing on the right like you know why do some kids and why do some kids end up being like Stephen Miller, and some kids end up being like fucking militia chuds, right? Like you know, there's just different material conditions and all of that. It's a cert- and a lot of it's a search for social capital. I, I guess is is what this is like. If you're depending on the dominant circles around you, I, I feel like a lot of people also default to just the environment that's sort of around them like you know some people some people go so and i feel like a lot of times if you do that just given that it's america the i feel like the ambient uh atmosphere tends to the right and uh and i think that's that's again i use the word insidious because when you go for a particular ideology 
you sort of know that you're going to be absorbing certain signals. When you just sort of go with the ambient culture that you're in, those signals are a lot more insidious because they're coming in with a lot of familiar, comfortable, uh, cozy, innocent-seeming stuff. Well, yeah. In in the end, like, it fulfills needs, and people do have, like, people do have a need for a community. Yeah. And... A lot of like kids who get into fascism, like you know, really hardcore, like you know, even if you're concert, like grow up in a conservative family, like you know that the trad, you know, the trad conservative way of life has a lot to be desired for anybody, and if you don't quite fit into it, and you don't have like a left outlet or anything or you don't even have like a group of friends that are like, Oh, here's something non-political that we can do. That's like just fulfilling my social and emotional needs and stuff. Like maybe you find yourself browsing the internet one day. Maybe you find a Jordan Peterson video. Maybe you find like a grand thumb video and like think, Oh, this guy's shooting guns and it's really cool. I'm going to go talk to a bunch of people on this forum. And then, you know, three months later, you're a boob boy. Or like, you know, oh, this, oh, like, these people have all of these secrets about conspiracies and stuff. I know the real truth. Other people don't. And yep. I feel conspiracy theories. Good. Conspiracy theories was a big one I was going to bring up. Yeah, because it's, yeah, part, it's sort of. You just become a QAnon person. Yeah, it's part of the same. It's part of the same mechanism. Yeah. Well, what what role do you think President Trump plays in disseminating fascist ideology? So in the current fascist milieu, like, I mean, Trump is um, what we call a stochastic terrorist. He riles people up uh, in general terms about certain groups of people, like, you know, dispossessed groups of people and or like his political enemies. And then he and then he says he kind of coyly points to his followers and says, what are you going to do about it? They're attacking you and they're attacking your way of life. What are you going to do about These it? These are dog whistles, right? Because they can be sort of denied. They're sort of winking, so sort of dog coy. whistles are a different kind. Like academically, dog whistles are a different concept than that. Okay. Um, stochastic terrorist messages are like, oh, you know, the the me- like all of these horrible Mexicans are in like, you know, Hispanic people or whatever. I'm using his words. Right. Like they're we're paraphrasing him like they're coming across the border in droves and it's horrible and then you know you hear that from trump and then you hear that from a bunch of other people along the right and then you go and take your gun to a walmart in el paso and you just murder 23 of them right and and you know that's how stochastic terrorism works like dog whistling is another thing dog whistling is the idea that like you put a sly, a very sly reference to your particular subset of fascist or white supremacist ideology, and then you fucking um, put it out there in the world, and other people who recognize it is the in-joke. Ah, okay. Then they get it, and then they feel enabled and emboldened by it, so then they can push the envelope publicly more. And they can normalize those in-jokes and stuff. So what PewDiePie does is dog whistles. 
Yeah, what PewDiePie does is dog whistles. Okay, is is Trump particularly potent as a symbol because of the level that he occupies? He's because I've noticed he's become such a potent cult of personality figure, especially in the South. Well, you'll see things like the "Don't Tread on Me" flag, but it'll say "Don't Tread on Trump." Like he's a surrogate for like us, for me. Don't tread on me. Like it's almost I don't know. It's almost martyr. It's almost Christ-like, Messiah-like. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of basically what it is, is like, you know, the Christian right has never worshipped Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, I know I was raised Christian, but my mom was like, you know, a pretty, my mom's a pretty progressive person. Like, like my mom's, like my mom's interpretation of that is like, oh, that kind of Christianity is completely heretical. They're not worshipping in god they're worshiping america right like and it's just fucking obvious like it's you know where in the bible would it justify going to the middle east and murdering a bunch of arabs for oil and shit like where in the bible would it justify saying let's go you know lynch a bunch of queer people because they want to like exist i mean if religious people are assholes they're they're gonna have to bring their religion along with them so you know that that's sort of the the pull that's the chain mechanism there well religion is a very like for what it's worth religion is a deeply deeply like gets to your core of your being and your emotional and like social needs as a human being so if you're somebody who's going to justify violence against other people and wants to hurt other people fuck yeah you want to use religion yeah you kind of you kind of have to yeah it would be glaringly absent of course why wouldn't you you'd be an idiot not to sure well i mean all right so coming back to trump as a stochastic terrorist um if if what appears to be true at this point is true and that joe biden is probably going to have the votes to ostensibly win the election. What does that mean for the remaining, you know, what, how do the people that view that kind of follow Trump in this way, what are they going to be doing during this kind of interregnum while, you know, probably Trump is trying to challenge things in the courts. What happens after Joe Biden becomes president? Again, I'm making some assumptions here. Oh, no, they're already doing it. And that's, they're going to, they're going to just directly fucking attack everyone and everything that could, um, that could guarantee like that the system quote unquote works properly. Right. Like they're get like they're like today in Detroit, like I was getting a source of mine was getting like, um, was sending me dispatch like video dispatches of like there's a bunch of these you know hyper conservative people just showing up to be quote unquote poll monitors and just harass people who are just at the polls and like counting all of the ballots and stuff in Detroit. Uh, Unsurprisingly there were just a bunch of armed white guys with beards showing up and intimidating people. Oh yeah 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 and that was in Pennsylvania too right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, uh, I, I read that in Detroit there were people literally ch- chanting "Stop the, stop the vote" uh, in, in uh, outside polling centers. And like, um, I'm actually in Pennsylvania. I'm nowhere near Philly, but, um, uh, but apparently there, there are some Pennsylvania extremists that are planning basically to go to a con- like wherever the ballot counting center is in Philly and basically do the same thing. They're just arguing that the votes should not be counted. 
Yeah, no, um, they're just doing voter intimidation. Like, I mean, that's... Well, the, the vote counting, counter-intimidation at this point. <laughs> Trump is such a Trump is such an ego monster that I feel like a disappointed, humiliated, losing Trump, losing on a global scale, is so fucking dangerous. I don't know why. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but that that really scares me. It, it's, it's two things. Like, the main thing I hope to get out of a Biden win is a humiliated Trump. Because that that would be so delicious to me. That's all I want. But like, I feel like that's incredibly dangerous because of how much he's literally just an an ego monster. That's what I always say. I mean, I don't. I think it's dangerous no matter what happens. I think if Biden wins by a very clear margin, and like everybody's like, no, Trump has to leave office. Like this is bullshit. Like you have to leave office, and this is clearly a legitimate election. With like. You clearly lost, like you're going to have to leave in January. Then um, what we're going to see is a bunch of backlash, desperate backlash from his supporters. It'll probably take this take the form of some really fucking crazy violence. But at the same time, like Biden wants to preserve. I mean, I'm not a fan of the FBI, but Biden's going to want to preserve like these people are a legitimate threat to his power. So he's going to send the FBI after a bunch of these assholes and a bunch of people are going to get door knocked and good because they might fucking they'll because otherwise they're going to hurt a lot of people. But if Trump gets another four years one way or another, like this is going to all of this is going to continue escalating. Like remember in 2017, like how fucking like it was a big deal that one person got murdered by a car attack and like okay the the car plowed through 20 people but like remember how like there were so many fucking car attacks this summer and they weren't even by committed neo-nazis they're just by trump supporters and like the media didn't even give a shit like there was one story i saw i i i mean i wrote up excuse me where it was in Sacramento and Trump came like during the wildfires here in California. And there was four fucking car attacks in one day while Trump was visiting like California. And because at the counter protest to him and the local news only reported like two of them. So yeah, no, it's going to get so much fucking worse. If Trump's like it because, you know, the they're not going to go after them as rigorously if Trump's in office because Trump doesn't see them as a threat. And do you think it also do you think it also emboldens a lot of people with violent uh, things on their mind? Uh, A lot of right wingers. I mean, that's the point. Yeah, that's you know, that barely even needs to be said. Like, well, I just wanted to put it on the ground, you know. Uh, Well, uh, let me ask you this, like the role of the state in terms of, um, you know, pushing back against the right-wing extremism because i know after like these dipshits in michigan decided they were gonna like kidnap the governor and like put her on trial or some dumb shit in the woods um after they got pinched by the fbi i remember there were like i i heard someone i forget what podcast it was but they were basically saying and i I, like doubting the legitimacy of the fbi i fully support but it's something i hadn't thought of before but they're basically saying that the fbi was um 
you know, in, in the same way that they would kind of entrap like 16 year old, like Arab, Arab kids in like the, the aughts, like this was kind of like a PR thing. Um, and like kind of like a, an appeal for their budget. And I get that. Uh, and, but you know, on the one hand, it's like, obviously in so far as we have a society that has laws, I guess there, there, there should be some form of law enforcement that goes after these people. On the other hand, I don't trust law enforcement and probably there's a lot of boogaloo boys and proud boys within law enforcement itself. How should we think of the state's role? If, if there is a role uh, in kind of confronting right-wing extremism like this? I mean, like a lot of the work, the intelligence work that ends up with boogaloo boys or proud boys or whoever's making a threat or like just, any kind of stochastic terror, like anybody who's like carrying out terrorism, like, or, you know, just attacks and shit, the way that they get got a lot of the time, if they're right wingers is just anti-fascists, just do the hard work of understanding and infiltrating and like preventing this stuff. And then, but you know, like civilians don't like, I'm not going to advocate for, and I don't think it's a good idea to like, just have civilian strike teams to just like, I don't know, go out and get these guys while we have a state that's, you know, supposed to do that for us. Like that could give us some problems. So like, you know, there's people who are going to commit like acts of mass violence and there's no, there's, sometimes we don't have a better option than just tell the FBI like, Hey, will you please take care of this? And that's why a lot of journalists publish these articles about these really scary fucking people. And anti-fascists do these threads about these really scary people on Twitter. Like just like, Hey, this person's plotting massive violence in secret and we have the proof. Everybody should know about this. And by everybody, we mean everybody, including the community around them. And yeah, well, if the feds are going to do something, they're going to do something. And if it prevents the violence, good. You know, that's kind of the attitude I take. Yeah. I mean, but on the flip side of that, like the the fed, like the government isn't like it's not a monolith, right? And the flip side of this is like there's insurgents fucking infiltrating local law enforcement and government at every fucking level especially like you know like william s lynn talked about how he wanted every county sheriff to have their own private army with tanks and rocket launchers and shit and that's the kind of attitude that a bunch of fucking county sheriffs have and Absolutely. you know a lot of police departments especially in fucking portland they just love Patriot Prayer and they'll just let Patriot Prayer go fuck up anti-fascists and like just community members or like, you know, there was just a thing where there was a a, a vigil for this, 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 this black man I, and who got killed by um, Vancouver, Washington police and Vancouver is just over the bridge. It's a port, it's a suburb of Portland. And a bunch of Patriot Prayer people showed up with fucking assault rifles and because uh, the vigil was right across from the bar they all hang out at anyways. And they were just drunk with their guns, like harassing people all night and spraying them with bear mace and stuff at a vigil that the family was there at. And like a child got, 
you know, a child got pepper sprayed there. So, you know, like, and the cops let that happen. The cops just let that were there and they just stand back and watch. And there's been documented evidence that like, I don't know, in Portland, for example, there was a police lieutenant who was just like coordinating with Joey Gibson of Patriot Prayer and telling him, hey, here's where the anti-fascists are going to be marching and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, stuff like that. Like the collusion's really fucking deep. And a lot of it's on a local level. So, so I guess in closing, you mentioned that you uh, have been training with the L.A., um, Black Coyotes. Did I get that right? Sure, yeah, right. LA ba- Black Coyote Collective and um, Truckee Meadows John Brown Gun Club. They're not anti-fascist groups. They're just community defense groups. And what they do is like... I, I Okay, correction. Yeah, I mean, well, but they're not like... Okay, they're anti-fascist groups in principle, but they're not like the people who go out and dox like Nazis and... Like, they'll, they only show up to protest if, like, community groups and members ask them to, to provide security. Um, but, like, the main point of these groups is to be like, hey, so gun culture, like, people do have the right and often the necessity, including people like myself, to defend themselves. Like, I recently became a gun owner. Because, like, shit's getting real and scary, and, like, I've gotten enough death threats at this point that I'm like, all right, it's about time. Like, as soon as I started training with a, with a, oh, God, there's a, there's, there's this, I'm, I'm drooling over this fucking pistol that I'm going to be, that I'm going to own by next month, and I'm just visibly salivating right now. It's fucking beautiful. It's a CZ. Oh God. Anyways, yeah. So like It's kinda like being grill pilled, you know what I mean? It's I mean, I don't know. Grill pill is fucking just uh, uh, grill pill grill pill is just nihilism with extra steps. Fucking <laughs> 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 Well, I mean, and, and, I, and listen, I don't need extra steps in my nihilism. I like yeah, it dead yeah, on. Yeah, no, I if like you're it. gonna do nihilism, like no be shooter, fucking based and read the sand book. All right. Yeah, thank you. Finally, someone's fucking saying it. <laughs> um, but I think what's what's particularly important about groups like John Brown Gun Clubs is that you know, like like it's not just that like um, you know, for instance, that Abner recently became a gun owner. It's about collective defense. It's about you know organized people coming together to, to think about defense and how to defend their neighbors, their communities and things like that, which I think is like, I, I, I'm glad to see that more leftists are thinking about, you know, becoming gun owners. Um, the next step is like how we get organized, which I think is the, really the, just the most critical component of, you know, things like the John Brown gun, gun club, the Latino rifle association and, and other groups that have been popping up around the country. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that, like, the right fucking, like, right-wing gun culture, like, it's a cliche, right? Yeah. And, um... I think that's why, as a Texan, I shied away from the gun uh, positive side of the left for a long time, is because coming out of this milieu in Texas, I have such strong associations with it, with the far right and things i don't want to be associated with it took me a long time to be able to say i think i should have a gun without 
feeling like I want to throw up in my own mouth. Yeah. I mean, like, the first time I fired a gun, I was shaking. But, like, at the same time, I was like, oh, no, wait, like, I took a, I took some video, like, I had some John Brown folks, like, take videos of me just, like, practicing, like, my stance and shooting and, you know, sometimes hitting targets. And, I oh, I've gotten way better, though. But, yeah, yeah, you know, just do it, like, just doing the proper thing to train with a firearm with, and, um, it de-escalated things. Like, Proud Boys used to be way more fucking, like, ready to fuck with me and sent me way more menacing stuff. And now that, like, you know, I'm a gun owner, like, they're, and I show up to all of their stuff in body armor, like, right. you know, just looking like a fucking operator like they do, <laughs> like they pretend they are, like, you know. I mean, that's a thing. Like, people with, like, I, I see it in Texas all the time. Guys will pull up next to you in huge trucks. Guys that you've never even seen, and they'll start talking shit. And I know in the back of my mind, this guy has a gun. That's why he's got this confidence. Like, you you, you know when you can and can't say something back to him. So, like, yeah, having a gun, like, I can understand how, how it would de-escalate things. Um, so, the thing I would tell people to read, if you want to read, like, an 80-page book that'll really make you get it, um, I'm not going to say the word, but like you'll see what. So, there was a book written by um, uh, uh, this 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 um guy who was like in the NAACP um back in the South back in the day, um who who had to like buy a bunch who him and his community had to like defend themselves from the Klan, and like they like he was literally like digging holes in his yard and putting in sandbags and then like firing at clan while they paraded by to like go and because they announced that they're going to go kill him and he fought off the clan and i'm sorry but some of us are like some of us are near that point where that kind of shit has to happen again i'm sorry sure Mm-hmm. Sure. No, I could. I, I could. I'm, like, there with I'm you. not at that point, and I don't think I'm going to be at that point because I'm a reporter. But people I've talked to, like, who, like, you know, there's like, I, there's people who get, you know, like, there's this Adam Waffen associated group called the Base who was going to assassinate, like, you know, this podcast host, it was Daniel Harper, and who, who is going to, like, you know, assassinate the these anti fascists in Atlanta. Um, but, and that kind of shit, like if you've got a firearm in your home, they might think twice, you know what right, I mean? Right. Sure. And absolutely. And, but yeah, this, this book, let me just, um, tell you what it is. It's by, um, the civil rights activist, Robert F. Williams. And, um, you know, he's obviously he's black, so he can say, say it and title his book that, but it's the old timey N word and it's. N words with guns is the name of the book, which is kind of fucking tight if you think about it. That is fucking tight. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking tight. Like, and the book's fucking incredible. Like, it'll like it's what you need to get. Like, if you want to get red pilled on guns, if you're a leftist, like this is what you do. <laughs> well, we need well we need a lot more de- demystified, like no nonsense talk on the left about the practicality of gun ownership. I mean, it, it just has to happen. 
I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because like, look, I mean, I in one of the craziest interviews I ever had was with this guy who was like a professor in Texas who went with a bunch of under other anti-fascists, like just 10 of them stood outside of a bar uh, where there is a like Nazi black metal show where one of the leaders of Adam Waffen showed up and like they just showed up with their guns and stood around outside and the, the this hardcore scary fucking Adam Waffen guy couldn't do shit to them yeah and like you know that's a way to de- that's a way to de-escalate things especially since most of the right are like doing their cosplaying as tough guys like yeah, they're all cowards they- yeah, and they, they've backed us into a corner, and so we're the ones who actually are now getting guns for actual fucking defense. So these guys come out and they're like, oh shit, real guns, ooh, by people who I've made want to use them, oh no. I mean, no, I I, I wouldn't even say want to use them. Like, none of us fucking want to use them, except the, those yeah. of us who like like target practice is yeah. out in the desert or whatever. Yeah, yeah But yeah. like, no, we don't want to fucking use them on people ever. No, I mean, I meant, yeah, I should, I should clarify. I, I didn't mean that push us to the point to where we're itching to go use them. I mean, when you, in the way that when you are terrorizing people, they then have yeah. a practical need for the guns, aside from cosplaying, like I said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like, it's like in, in Kenosha when uh, Rittenhouse, like, killed those two folks, and uh, it turned out one of them had a gun. And it's just like, you know, I'm not, I, it's not that I wish that like, you know, uh, he had been killed. I just, I just don't want any more of ours getting killed by these people. You know That's what I mean? The, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've got an active shooter and he's going to kill more people, like who could blame yeah. you from trying to take him yeah. down? You know? and, to, and to be clear, I don't even blame him for hesitating. I, yeah, I'm sure that's sure. a difficult decision to make, but like. I yeah. just don't. I, I don't like seeing our people get get killed like that, get gunned down the street. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But I I, I think that's going to be all for us. Uh, I think we're getting up to time. And but I want I want to thank uh, Abner Hoagie for for being on the show and talking to us. Uh, Abner, thank you very much. Sure. Yeah, I was happy to come on. I'll come on anytime y'all want me. Absolutely. And, well, we'll be in touch about that for sure. This was cool. And definitely uh, check out, we'll have links to everything that he's involved with, with Left Coast, uh, Right Watch, um, Black Coyote Collective, if, if you want, Trucky Meadow, John Brown Gun Club. Do you want us to give that, you know, access to that stuff in our in our description? Uh, yeah, yeah. Plug them. Because, like, if you're in the Los Angeles area or, like, the Reno area, like, and, you know, you're somebody who wants to learn about basic firearm safety and you don't want a bunch of chuds barking at you and like intimidating you like you know it's great like especially if you're a queer person like you know or just any other kind of vulnerable person like yeah i mean marginalized person you know but yeah yeah they're they're great they do great work it's complete it's like you know literally just fucking um safety so um i'm being ha- i'm being handed um the website to it to send people to for trucky meadows so trucky meadows is spelled t-r-u-c-k-e-e and then meadows and then jbgc.org all one no spaces no nothing else so okay um 
yeah, and then I'll probably just give you Black Coyote's link in the um, show notes. Cool. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. Well, I want to thank you again, Abner, and uh, for Future Left, I'm Casey. And I'm Adam. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all.